today's spring? Oh, awesome. So welcome, welcome spring, right? Getting closer, closer to the Easter season, which is fun in the life of the church. Hey, I just want to make a, a mention. I don't know if Leanne mentioned, but Family Promise is actually serving families in need. I think you, you picked you pick that up from her people in our community. We've been doing this for a while, and so just you're wondering if you're new to that. That's There's just people that find themselves in between jobs and housing and all kinds of life crisis happens, and if you've gone through crisis, like one thing, sometimes families will get hit three or four different ways, and that kind of puts us, you know, we're only how many steps away from being that, right? Let's, let's be honest. We, we, some of us have even been there before. So it's a great program to help with that. So thank you for that, and please connect with her afterwards. But if you're new with us, we've been doing a series called Unstoppable. We're going through the book of Acts, and it's, it's really neat. Not only are we gathering here on Sunday, but we're also participating in, in the life of the church through small groups. And then thirdly, we have these what we call growth guides, and we actually ran out a couple weeks ago, and we got new ones printed today. So if you didn't get a physical copy, they're available. And it's just basically we're reading through the book of Acts, and, and, and uh, we're now in week, uh, well, we're, we just finished week five, and now we're in week six. And so the way it works is, uh, you know, reading Acts 14 through 16, those chapters, and then you can fill this out on your own and do, you know, individual study. And then you take this to your group and study there and share, and there's, there's questions that we, we provide. In fact, we got a landing page on our website called Unstoppable that you can go and, and you can download this, this thing. If you're online with us, you can grab it, as well as there's small group questions each week. And then each Monday, I put out just a, a short little encouragement video on our Facebook page just to encourage us all not just to come to church and not really have any kind of plan during the week, but we're all participating in the life of the church. And I'm hearing really great things about what it's doing in the unity. I got to talk with our small group coaches the other day, and they were just so encouraged by their leaders sharing about how it's really brought a lot of togetherness. And that's that's the goal, is to not only that we find ourselves together in this unstoppable movement called the church, but we're also reaching out to others. And see, I've been reading, when I've been reading through Acts, the first few chapters, it's really neat to see the unity that's happening, but what's happening is other people are being added to the church, and when other people and new people are involved, it brings some changes, and in, in fact, what we read is it, it brought some uncomfortability to to, to, the new pe- to, the, to the people that have been around for a while. And I, I've, I've found that in church life. In fact, when I was in college, I, um, I was in Bible college in, in the Seattle area, and I had an opportunity to kind of get involved in a homeless ministry. And I didn't really plan on it, but it, they, they said basically if you would, you know, I didn't even know where I was going to go to church myself. And they said, well, we, what we do is we'll pick you up from campus, and then you get on the bus, and then you're going to go downtown Seattle, and you're going to, you know, literally, if you've heard of Skid Row, we wanna, we're on Skid Row, and we get off the bus, and we invite homeless people to get on a bus. And I don't know back then if they're, why, like, what bus am I getting on? What am I doing? But we would hand them a, a sack breakfast. And so they'd have breakfast burrito and a juice box, and they'd get on the bus, and, and we would take them to an inner city church and this I did this for you know a few weeks and then one day the leader said we're not going to the normal church we're going we're actually going to head out to SeaTac and we're going to another church well we what happened was we took this homeless group of people that that really hadn't bathed for a while and you know they you know there was it was it was a mix of kind of BO and booze you know what I'm saying and that's that's disgusting to think about but that's just where they were I mean they weren't they didn't dress and of course back in the day you know people dressed up for church they wore suits and ties ladies wore dresses so we ended up going to that church we went to that kind of church and so we were showed up a little late and we came in the back row and 
I mean, they, people were turning around. Like, they, they, they didn't see us coming. They smelled us coming in. And, 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 I, and as, as much as I thought, oh, this is good. They're going to be interacting. What I, what I ended up seeing was is not too much of enthusiasm as these good sanitized saints look back and they're seeing these rows of people coming in and I'm just in a hoodie you know in there and waving and I'm, I'm just part of the crew and 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 I and I would have to admit I says I, I, as I saw them kind of snub and literally turn their nose up on this group of people that I was a part of I, I was actually pissed off for a few minutes be honest with you I was mad have you ever got mad in church I was just kind of mad a little bit I was just kind of like can't believe and I started I kind of started judging the judges a little bit I started I started going I can't believe these church people and how you know how they are and everything and judgy they are and stuff of course then I'm again then God's convicting me of judging the judges and and then but at that point the Lord gave me kind of a vision it, he just said you know Dan this you're seeing this happen but what if what if there could be a church that you could be a part of that you could that that would be a church for everybody what would that look like and I, and I just remember that day, and there's been multiple times in my life where God's just saying, I, I want to reach beyond you. I want to reach beyond what are the group of people that you have, that I, I am a church for everybody. And I, I said, Lord, I, I'll commit to that. I'll, I'll one day, if I have the opportunity to influence, if I have the opportunity to influence a culture and church, I want to be a part of that. And what we find is, and, is that when we read through the book of Acts, and, and I, oh, I would say this first, is you probably in your own church experiences maybe have, have felt the same way like you've had good or bad if we sat down at woods and we talked about your experiences it would be a mix with that that we've either been received in a, in a group of people or you've maybe been rejected maybe you didn't come in as a homeless person but you came in with a reputation and people knew in your community the things you did during the week people were like were they kind of kept you at arm's length you know what that feels like and you know that really the reality of the gospel and what it's for it's for it is to be for a church of everybody it seems like the obvious thing in fact you read through the first nine chapters of the book of acts that seems to be the case right it's just this is all these people came into christ and and they're part of the church and everything what we end up finding out is that in the first nine or ten chapters it really actually is a church for only certain people that, that, that's really what seemed to happen. There was, there, there, the, it was really for the religious group of people. It was for the for this Jew, uh, the the group of people called the, the Jewish people. It seemed to be going. And when it, there's a shift that's happening, that God's saying, you know, for for my word to be an unstoppable movement to take place, and that it can't just be the cleaned up people that that are accepted in this. And so we we pick up in Acts 11. The shift that's taking place, pretty big shift that happens. Acts chapter 11, verse 1, it says this is now the apostles and the brothers who were through Judea heard that the Gentiles have received the word of God. The Gentiles, the Gentiles, what you would, you would call them the unchurched back in the day, the non religious people. They didn't have any Jewish ethnicity. They had no religious tradition. And, and when we read that, and I think today we were like, oh, that's awesome, right? That's incredible that that, that happened. Well, it wasn't so awesome. The problem was that when you think Jesus is just for you, you get your, your, your paradigm gets shaken a little bit that it's outside of you. And, and especially you hear this news second or third hand, they're like, we heard this. In fact, verse 2, it says, when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying you were you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them now if you, you read that you know you go on what? what what you know if you're not new to church and everything you're like 
what's that about? Okay, well, let me just tell you this. That circumcision was a physical sign of covenant with God. It was made in the time of Abraham. It was, it def, it was a defining mark for a Jewish, the, the Jewish religion. And you're, if you're asking a question, well, why is that? That's a whole other sermon that we're not going to get to today. But what was the hubbub? What was going on? The Jewish Jesus followers thought salvation was just for them. And you're thinking, how could that be? How could they be that narrow-minded? That's the way it was. And they're like, even beyond this. And so we look at verse 4. It says, when Peter began explaining it to them in order, he goes back and recounts, if we, you read chapter 10 in Acts, this shift that took place already in Peter's heart. What was going on? It, it was really he had this encounter with God, this supernatural encounter where you read, and he, he recounts that in Acts 11 about what happened in the chapter before. He says, I was, I was sent to the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down on me. Look, looking at it closely, observe animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Peter is has some piety here. People say, I would never do that. You know, I, would, that, I, am, I am one of those sanitized saints. I would never, ever allow that to happen to me. And, and that's not being necessarily pious at all, but because that's the way it was. See, that word common actually is translated defiled. What it was talking about, that in Jewish customs and laws, it was prohibited to eat those kinds of animals. We don't really get a huge description of the types of animals. I think in Acts 10, you get a little bit more what he's talking about. But there were they were unclean, uh, polluted animals, but more importantly, they were connected to worship, idol worship of other nations. That's why they didn't eat those. But this is what it says. The voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. All were to draw up again in, in heaven. I always think the three times, there it is for Peter again, right? Three times deny him, three times, do you love me, Peter? And there's another third. I think Peter gets these threes all the time that are brought to him. But God brings this challenge to him. And it's the challenge is this, because God himself was the one through the Mosaic, through Moses and the law to do say these are the things these are the rules you can't eat these animals you have to eat this way this is not right and so we read that and that's a challenge because we're going well did, did god change well we know this that god's character never changes he's the same today yesterday and forever but what changed well his work was changing there's a changing work you know and as we move into the Easter season, we're kind of going, this gets a little bit, you know, with food and everything, it gets a little, can I still have my ham for Easter? Okay, we get into that. This is not about being kosher at all. This is about clean hearts. And what God, he says, what God cleanses does not call common, meaning, again, defile. What do, how does God make the unclean clean? Well, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Christ entered, uh, ushered in a new 
covenant that was signed with his very blood and shed on the cross. That's the new covenant. Jesus said, this new covenant I give you, love one another as I have loved you. He, he's, he basically fulfilled the old covenant, the, the old Mosaic covenant. And now this is happening. Not only is it a theological moment that shifts, but there's this missional, almost like a missional mindset that Peter recounts. This is what he says. He says, and behold, at that very moment, he says this. Three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them and make no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the, house, the man's house, and he told us how he sent the angel the angel stand in his house and says, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who's called Peter, and he will declare to you a message in which you will, be, you will be saved, you and your household. Again, recounting what happened in Acts chapter 10 with the house of Cornelius, where this centurion, Roman centurion, has, is, a, is a God seeker, but does not have any Jewish background. He's outside of any kind of religious you know, experience and hear what happens. He hears the message of Christ and, and that you receive salvation. The gospel of Jesus. Jesus came and died. He, he, he rose again. And you, if you confess and believe that he is Lord and Savior, you'll be saved. That was what it is. All who confess. And you would think that Peter would have got at this point. You'd think even before, did he need a vision and everything like that? Because Peter's the one in Acts 2. He says that anyone who calls on the, any, on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, he says. Well, everyone? Peter wasn't. This is kind of blows our minds. In Acts 2, he wasn't thinking everyone. Everyone in his circle, everyone in his tribe of people, but not really all people. They, he really, they didn't really have a vision for a church for everyone. And so what happens is, not only is this this theological shift, it's actually, a, a, it's shown and, and even proven in the churches for everybody in the supernatural power that Peter recounts. He says this, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. What was the beginning? It was the day of Pentecost. It was that moment and the Holy Spirit came and all that happened. I'm like, wow. Not only did we experience this, but they experienced this, that this work of salvation and the filling of the Holy Spirit is for everybody. And then he says this, I remember the word of the Lord, how, we, how he said, Jesus said, John baptized with water. What was John's baptism? Baptism of repentance. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit this empowerment that take place. He remembered this to happen, this great work. And so here is this Roman polytheistic centurion. Not only does he receive Christ and receives the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, it's he and his entire household in this encounter. And I love what verse 17, Peter says this. I would say this is the hinge of everything, almost really the pinnacle this morning, what we're going to really talk about. And I think hearing this is, it may, makes a huge shift that happens. But Peter puts this question. It, it, it's baked in the very question that, G, that Peter asks himself. He says, if then 
God gave the same gift to them as he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I to stand in God's way? Who was I to get in the way? What, what was the gift? The gift of salvation, the filling of the Holy Spirit, that, that it is for whosoever would believe. This is a moment completely changed Peter's paradigm that the gospel is for everyone who calls on his name. And I love what it says in verse 18 after this. It said, when they heard, they heard these things. Who are the they? They are the people that are criticizing. They are the people going, oh, this isn't, how is this happening? Why is it for those people over there? It's just for Jesus, just for us. No, they, what happened? They felt silent. When, when you find there's moments like that and felt silent, what happened was a holy moment took place. They were just going, oh my gosh what's happening and they worship the lord at that moment it says they glorified god saying then to the gentiles and also god has granted repentance i love this that leads to life what happened here was this massive missional mindset that shifted that there would be no distinction between jewish and gentile that the new covenant, this, this new destination, those who are to be in Jesus, those who are to be called to be in Christ, those who are, are going to be new creations in Christ Jesus, they don't have to be Jewish, and they don't have to do religious and Jewish, Jewish religious things to have Jesus. And what's, what sprung out of this, this is a beautiful thing. End of Acts 11, we read this multi-ethnic church called Antioch, arose. And it was such a tribute, it was such a testimony of the new covenant love for one another they're different than everyone else and this blending that happened of both Jewish uh, Greek speaking people and Jewish Hebrew speaking people uh, of Jewish religion people, non-Jewish people, this multi-ethnic group formulated as the as the church of Antioch that took place. And if you study history, you study church history, as much as Jerusalem had a, a, a role in it, and you'll read about, and read about here in a couple weeks about this, is it that Jerusalem really wasn't the ultimate, they were a mother church, but they weren't a sending church. They weren't not necessarily an apostolic church. What made it apostolic is ascending churches, and they sent missionaries. And in fact, Apostle Paul becomes one of the greatest missionaries that the church sends out is because they had this idea and they shift going, we are going to be a church for everybody. In fact, the very first time Christians are called Christians is the church of Antioch. It was, it was an incredible thing that happened. Now, what does this mean for us this morning? I think a, a few things that we can think about. First is to call out the fact that that when you hear this, the first church, we kind of go, wow, how narrow-minded were they? <laughs> how, how can they be so narrow-minded when it says all, oh, that should be for all, that all can receive Jesus? I mean, didn't Jesus himself say, we have John 3, 16, our famous verse ever in the Bible, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that what? Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Did they miss the whoever? Like, it's only some people? But what was going on? There was this shift that was taking place that the first century Jewish people, why? If you were back then, you'd probably do the same thing. You only know what you know. You only know what you know, and that's all they knew. They, the worldview of the church was not a church for everybody. Now, 
What does that lead us today? We're going, oh, well, of course, church is for everybody. Well, ask that to the people that don't go to church, what they would think. Well, church is for everybody. Is, is that, yeah, well, ask that average person outside the church today. You, you if you want to be, you know, courageous, you know, you want to you take a risk, ask that to people outside. This is, this is what we hear. This is what's outside is heard is this today. Little church people, it, it, it's, it's bigoted. It's racist. Misogynistic. Homophobic. Judgmental. Divisive. And hypocritical. Those are, those are some reputations of church. Now, Christians will respond this way. This is why I heard late, 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 late years is this, that Christians will say, well, that's the liberal media putting it out there. That's, that's the movie industry and the entertainment industry and the, and the, ch- the educational system. That's what they're pushing. That's what they're pumping. That's, and the, the, so much are behind us that's causing this propaganda that's happening. And I would say, probably. That's probably what's happening, right? We also could do this. We also, as a response to it, could say, well, it's the devil. The devil's working overtime. Of course he is. Of course he is. Like, the greatest message, the greatest avenue, the, the avenue, Jesus, the way, the truth, and life, salvation, of course he would be coming against that. But the question is, well, what are we going to do about it? We have two choices. One is we can complain. The second one is we could, we could change. Now, let's, let's just say, hey, complaining, we've seen that the last two years, right? But let's just say it's been some, a sucky season we've had. We've seen, in, in all that, through this pandemic, we've seen loved ones pass away. I, I, there's, there's people in our church that, that have loved ones that have recently passed away, and that's, that's been a super bummer for, obviously, a huge thing and an impact on their life. We've seen what it's done to to people and health-wise, but but also we've seen it what's done in isolation. It's isolated people. It's it, it's there's been emotional and mental and relationship struggles that have crippled us and even economic. We all know this, but specifically what COVID has done in the church, or we've allowed it to do, it's done a couple things. One is it's they they say it's been an accelerator. An accelerator. Church attendance has been on the dip and the decline for many, many last 20 years. It's just been doing this. And COVID, it just did this. And what's happened is we we've lived in 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 our world and everything we've had. We've been we've been insulated to a certain extent in the United States, but it's happening in Europe. It's happening in in Canada. That that the cultures have moved into a post-Christian world. We're we're there, by the way. That 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 just accelerated where we're at. And we don't want to get bummed about that because around the world, in Africa, and in South America, and even parts of Asia, the gospel is thriving. Like people, are, there's like revival that's happening across the world. So God's at work. It's not that God's left the earth at all. No, that's not happening. But there's a hunger. Just like Peter ran into this group of people, there was this in the house of Cornelius. They're like, we we're hungry. We want to see God move. What do you tell us more about Jesus? Is happening. And what COVID has happened is this, it accelerated the decrease in church going. There was a Gallup poll done last year for 2021 that 50% of church attendance dropped last year, last year in 2021. 
50%. And that's, that's evident in our church. Just cut it right in half, right? It's how it goes. And it's been an eight-decade trend. I mean, I want to say eight. So 80 years ago was the last time that happened. What happened in 1941? World War II. Why was there a dip in church attendance? The men went to war. So that's where we're, that's where we're faced. COVID also was a revealer. It, it, it revealed, and this is what it revealed. It seemed to be the case is that American Christians cared more about their rights than the mission of Jesus. They cared more about, what they found is they cared more about American ideology and a political stance than the cause of Christ. I had an opportunity uh, when I was gathering with my family, another, we had another funeral, and I was sitting with my non-church cousins, and they, they say to me as, as their pastor cousin, Dan, tell us why Christians are so angry. Why do they seem to be demanding their rights? I thought the Bible said, like, Jesus didn't, and they're quoting Jesus, and didn't Jesus say, love one another? And that moment, I, I had to agree with them. I had to apologize somehow for the American church. So is it, so? What does this mean? Where where do we go? I, and I, I realize I, I I was I've been grieved about this. I've been struggling with this, and I'm like, boy, you know, should I get, Lord? Should I do a different job? Should I get into real estate because I heard the market's hot? Like, should I bail too? And and I'm like, no. God brought me back. You know what God did? God brought me back to the SeaTac experience. God brought me back to the moment. So no, Dan, let's not give up on the, my church. It's an unstoppable movement. There's things happening. God is working. He, and, 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 and don't get down on this. No, it's not a, this isn't the goal is butts in the seat. God is at work. There's, I am at work, and there's a work that I'm doing. There's a, there's, it's not about attendance. It's about engaging me in my Mission And what I tell you this is I'm super encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by the fact when I gather with my 6 a.m. Monday morning guys in our, in our discipleship group, I'm just amazed what God's doing in our, with our guys. I'm amazed as I hear stories of in our small groups where people are sharing life on life and, and there's transformation. Not only, not only physical healing, we, we, we've been testifying lately what God's doing, but emotional healing. People are finding hope and finding meaning in, in, in community. I, I'm loving what we're doing as a church. I'm seeing as we're, we're become servants in the community, in the various agencies with the community assistance program and, and, the, and the Birch Bay Bridge that we're a part of. And even when you heard about family promise, well, God is at work. He's working through. He's doing this thing. So he's, God's saying, don't give up. Don't give up. I am at work. I am doing a new thing. Even though there's been a tearing down, even though there's been loss, even though there's been this shuffling that's happening, there's a new work that I'm doing. How many of you agree with that? That that's happening? Are you with me? I'm good. I, I'm not the only one feeling it. It's just being real, but hearing it. It's, in fact, so what do we do with that? What, where do we go? Well, how, do we, how does it mean to be a church for everybody? Well, I want to leave you some thoughts. In fact, if you're taking notes, I forgot to mention, we have our QR code. If you put that up there, a QR code, and you can grab the notes there. They're in your program here as well. This morning is some church for everybody means this. First, it's moving from, well, preservation to empowerment. Preservation to empowerment. Just get a couple more minutes here, share these with you as we close. What, what is that? What are we talking about there? Well, it's amazing how quickly the first century church grew, but then they got hung up. Then they got caught a little bit going, well, wait a second. The 
this is bigger than us? And, and, and what happened is they got, you know, almost like they, you can't blame them. They've been rooted in Judaism for thousands of years. And so their way of encountering God was through their Jewish roots. And pretty soon along the line, there's some non-Jewish people coming along. Not only, and we're going to read, and there's going to be even more. We're going to talk about tension next week. If you think it's bad this week, next week, it, it, it's, it gets a little worse, okay? And we'll, we're going to dive into that a little bit because there's this challenge that happens as they're seeing non-Jewish people come to faith in Christ, pretty soon all of a sudden you're like, well, they're going to have to follow all our rules too. Well, not so much. That's going to be next week. But what we find is, if we look, and since March of 2020, here we are two years later, last two years have been about safety and survival. The Jewish people have tried to survive for years, and even today they're still trying to do that. And, and so the, all there is survive and preservation. And here this movement is coming along, and it's really, really affecting them. I, I love what Earl McManus says about this, about going beyond just waiting for change but being the change. He has a book called The Unstoppable Force. He says, The church is not, not called to survive history, but to serve humanity. The church exists to serve as the body of Christ, and through its commitment to serve, we are forged to engage our culture. The, the Antioch church did this. The Antioch church realized this. They can't just be for themselves. They're going to need to be a missionary to the nations and also to the neighbors. Listen, we're called, in fact, the job of the church leaders is this. This Ephesians says, to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. How do we do that? How do we empower people, not just, pre just preserve life, but actually give life out? This is a missional mindset. And, and I want you to know, I have ideas. How do we become a church for everybody? I love to hear your ideas, what that look like. How do you need to be empowered to live the mission of Jesus to be this church for everybody. Another thing that this is that the church for everybody is the is the foot that the foot of the cross is equal for everyone. That the foot of the cross is equal for everyone. It's hard to believe there was a group of people that thought that Jesus was just for them, but that's the way it was. And it created this 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 gap and as I mentioned earlier, even in our own culture and church are very very separated out. And what we find is, again, church for others that are not involved yet, what they'll say is, and I hear this, is that the church seems to be more about their opinions than about love. And so I want to just say it flat out to you. If you're posting your, your, your opinions of your religious right, you just widen the gap even farther. Every time you demand your rights with your opinions, you widen that gap. I love what Peter's response to the religious pushback, or pushback. He says this, If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who will I stand in God's way? Question, is your rights standing in God's way of reaching everyone else. I heard, it, I heard it said many years ago, over and over, you know this, you've heard it before, is this, are we going to be a stumbling block or are we going to be a stepping stone for people to find Jesus? 
but you go, I got opinions of things. Sure. Find the right place to share your opinions. Does everybody need to know your opinions? It's not very helpful, is it? You know those people. You're like, I don't want to be around them. See, God wants to give us opportunity. The Bible says, make the most of every opportunity, especially those on the outside. Be smart about this. If, if your heart is desire to see people come and find Christ, and what that is, is we have to remove the barriers and build bridges. We ask, who do you need to reach out that are different than you, different than your beliefs, different than your lifestyle, different even than your orientation? looking at them and, and saying, I see them not in what they represent or who they're connected with and all their, the, the stereotypes. What I, what I want to see them as real people that are created in the image of God, that, that Jesus came and died for them, that their soul matters to me as much as it matters to God. And what I've learned along lines when I'm talking to people and getting to know this is this, that most people like to tell their story. Most people, if you spend time with them, will open up. And a great question that I try to ask as people open up, I'll ask them this, tell me more. Tell me more. And, they, they tell, and there goes the opportunity. You're building trust with them. They begin to share, and you're going, oh, I no longer have to stereotype them. They're, they're, I don't put them as they're one of those. They are loved by God and created in his image, and I get the opportunity to love them. And God begins this, this redemptive plan toward them. Another thing to know the church for everybody is this. As, as the message never changes, what's the message? It's the gospel. Never changes, but the methods must continue to change. The methods continue to change. Early church knew this. They knew the power of the gospel, and, and it was incredible what was happening, but there was this shift that happened where they're no longer just going to huddle together in a synagogue because the people, the people that are out there that the, for the gospel to go to everybody, they, the synagogue wasn't very relevant to them. What, they were like, what goes on in there? I don't really want to get involved with that. But what happened is they realized they had to get out of the synagogue and they had to go to where the people are. And that's where uh, the, the churches began to form. And so when you read about the churches in the book of Acts and in, into the letters and the rest of the New Testament, churches weren't this big. Churches were gathered in a little house. The, the Greek word was oikonos. These little groups of people, these little churches formulated. We call them small groups, by the way, today. And that's what the movement had place. They, they're willing to shift. You will read in Acts 17 where Paul, who grew up as a Jewish person, shifts how he communicates the gospel, not about the, the Jewish, but he doesn't bring anything about the Old Testament because these people didn't even know it. They're, they're, they're Greek people, and he begins to identify them where they are at. And that's a, that's a challenge for us. See, the church has to continue to flex in new ways to get the message of the gospel. As, mu as much as, as, as COVID was an accelerator, it was an accelerator for technology. I don't think we'd be online today if it wasn't for COVID. But what it did is many things, we, we actually fast forward us 10 years into the future in many different ways. And I think it's a powerful tool that we get to connect today. You know, if you're watching today uh, and, and you're not able to be here, okay, and, and I, some of you are like, I really like to be in my pajamas and coffee. Well, come come back, okay? We want you back. We'd love to see you. Uh, but there's also people that can't be here. They, 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 what happened before, they just didn't attend church any longer. 
But I love, as I talk to Donna Amuel and her husband Andy, they, they, they watch online. And so today, I just want to say, they, they celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. And they're assisted. So I don't want to watch it today. They did this last year. And they, they're assisted living in Bellingham. They would love. They've been part of our church for many, many years. So nothing wrong with technology. We're learning and shifting but it's not just information we're shifting. It's transformation. God is at work in people. You can't, you can't replace in person. You can't replace what God is doing in this transformation. And that's what was happening with the men as they gathered and prayed. They, 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 they pushed through the religious barriers. They went into a house of an uncircumcised group of people. Ooh, that's a big deal. It was a big deal. You didn't even associate with people that are different. What are the barriers that you and I need to get over and get through to bring people in? I love what Craig Kershell talks about this. He says, to reach no one is reaching, you have to do what no one else is doing. What are those things? What are the new ways that God is working? What can he be doing? I'd like to hear from you. In fact, if you could let me know, you could reach out to me if you got an idea. In fact, I'd like to even have coffee with you. And if there's a few of you that want to have coffee together, by the way, I'll buy you coffee. And I'd love to have a brainstorm of what, how can we create a church for everybody. And I'm not talking about a church to attend. That's only part of it. A church as the people of God for everybody. What would that look like? I'd love to hear that. But listen, transformation won't come with clever ideas. Ultimately, it's going to come through life change. I'm going to leave you with this last one, is this. Relationship, this is why I've learned, relationships like a river that leads to repentance that ends in life. It lead, this, re, this flow of relationship leads to people responding to Jesus that leads ultimately to the life he has for him. Christy and I, we work many years with students as youth and youth ministry. Now we're back working with, directly with students again. And we've learned this little rule is this. Well, this little thought is this. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. I can tell you, 99 out of 100 families that we've been involved with, I could tell you when, when the rules were more important than the relationship, there was rebellion every time. I don't care if they're homeschool kids. I don't care if they're, they're private school kids. I don't care if they're public school kids. That was the number one we found is that then the, the, if there is strict, strict, strictness, at some point we rebel because you know that you rebel. You rebel even at your work, you'll do that. Like, why does those policies? And you know, I noticed that the thicker the policy at your workplace means there's a lack of trust in relationship, right? Because it's the rules, and everybody tries to bend the rules and going out. But when there's a relationship, there's a motivation that's there. That's what's going to win the world to Christ is not the rules. It is the relationship that we have. And that's how Jesus did it every single time, didn't he? He didn't go, hey, you know, if you want to follow me, you got to clean your life up. You know, you got, yeah, you can't smell like booze and B.O. You're going to need to put a suit on. You need to, get a, you need to go through these steps. And you're like, no. You know, if you're, you know, you're going to really follow me, you know, you need to quit doing that. That's a bad habit. You need to stop living this way. You need to change your, change your way you're talking. You need to clean yourself up to follow me. No, he just said, come follow me. That's it. I, he wants to work from the inside out. And that's the message we get to have. We love you for who you are. That's it. It's, it's, 
you know, so where do we, how do we do this? Well, relationships build trust and soften hearts and gives opportunity for hope for other people. Where do we start? I think we start with ourselves. Now, that sounds almost opposite. It was, but it's good to practice on one another. It's good to reach out and care for one another because I have a feeling even people in this room or the people that are coming, you're going, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're saying all this. You're, you know, I don't have to dress up or anything, but are, are this, is this group of people going to accept me? Are, am I, am I, can I be included as well? We hope that you will. We practice on one another so that we can also be ones uh, to reach out. And I just love how that happened. It was where the church got it. They finally, as the Bible says, they went silent. And they, 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 they realize, oh man, repentance is for everybody that leads to life. And I love what Romans says, that God's kindness leads to repentance. It's not judgment, it's not condemning, but it's an invitation to come and find him. I invite Chris to come as we pray. I was just thinking, you know, I, I love, I, I, I hope, I mean, I, I don't think we get it right all the time at Christ the King, but I, I think we're a church like this. I think we're a church, we're trying to be a church for everybody, and, and, and uh, I, we're, we're, it takes work, though, doesn't it? It takes work, because we, we want our own, we start, because just out of safety and security, we kind of want our own things sometimes, and man, we are challenged even more how to, how to reach out. But I remember uh, several years, in fact, it was just when we opened up this building, what, a decade ago, and, and uh, there's a lady, there's a woman named Vicki, sat in the front row right here, and I saw her come in, and, and I gave an invitation, if anyone wants to receive Jesus, put your hand up, and her hand went up, and I, I walked down after the service and talked with her, and I said, uh, man, you know, you know I, I saw your, your, your hand up, she goes, my hand was coming up when I walked in, God brought me here. I, 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 I was drawn here today. She goes, I used to, I, I'd walk my dogs and I hear the music in here and I'm like, wonder what goes on in here. And I, I've come to a place of desperation. She goes, I don't sleep very well. And she goes, it's because of this. And she hands me one of those Native American dream catchers. I get nightmares. Could you ha- take this, throw it away from me? And at that point, I pray with her. She received Christ. And I remember that next week, she wrote on her connection card, I'll never forget, she wrote on her connection card, the church is so close, and the message is so clear. And I remember Vicki getting involved, and, and boy, she had a lot of challenges, as a lot of us do, and working through and being discipled. Her, uh, her boyfriend, she's living with, he ends up coming to Christ through our Alpha. Uh, I end up, they say, we, we want to get married. Will you marry us, Dan? And so I remember marrying them down at, 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 in, in the bay. And I say in the bay. They want to be in the water. Uh, so we had the wedding in the water, and after that, they, they, they were baptized, and this incredible transformation took place. Boy, I believe there's more Vickies out there, and there might be some Vickies in this room. There, there's people that, that truly, truly need Jesus, and I don't want to give up on that. Do you guys? I don't want to give up to be a church for, for everybody, and that's the opportunity that you and I have today. So here's the question as we pray. Are you on your way? Are you on the way? Are you in the way? Are you on the way to Jesus? That might be you today that you, you need to receive him as your Lord and Savior online. Or are you in the way? And if you're in the way, what is the barriers that you need to remove? What is the, what is the mentality that you need to change? What, what behavior? What, could you be a little bit more wiser, a little bit smarter in the workplace that you're at and the family you have and the people you interact with for the whole hope that they truly would come and find Jesus. Ah, let's continue. Let's be the church.
for everybody. Will you pray with me? Lord, I don't want to miss an opportunity as we're saying the church is for everybody that the invitation is for everybody. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not complicated, but somehow we put hoops in the way. Somehow we put rules in the way. Somehow religion got in the way. Wow, we could, we could, look, we could look back and go, gosh, those people missed it back. Those Jewish people, they, 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 didn't, they didn't get it. How could they put it in? Yeah, we can do, Lord, we can do the same thing. And so, oh God, we just say, sorry, Lord. Our bad. We're not doing it right. We're not doing it right. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, that we remove any barriers. In fact, if there's anyone right now that they would just, as they're, they're hearing my voice and they're hearing this message, they would say, Jesus, I want you. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be a Savior. I confess that you are. I believe in my heart that you are. Lord, I know, I trust in you that I am saved. Lord, is anyone today, Lord, we pray for them today, receiving you, Jesus, today. Those watching as well as here in this room, Thank you, Lord. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no barriers, no hoops. There's no, there's nothing we have to go through. We don't have to sign anything. We just have to accept you, Lord. And God, you do the work from inside out. And then you call us to follow you. So I pray that for those today. It wouldn't just be a decision made. It would be a lifestyle change. But you do that work from the inside out. God, I pray for us, Lord, here today. Have to be man, I'm kind of challenged by the own mess, my own message put together here. Like your word challenging me of stepping out. And God, may I may I just repent of anything that's been in the way, any barriers that I put up, in my own insecurities or in my desire to play it safe, Lord, that I've not reached out, Lord God. May you use me this week, and may we may we, whatever we would think is in the way, a barrier that we've put up to others a judgment on others. God, may we repent of that and say, Lord, give us opportunity to reach out. Let's have a way and opportunity this week in our workplace, in our family, our neighborhood, our school, Lord, that we can just love with no agenda.